Hello, everybody. My name is Joshua Bell. I'm the minister of First Christian Church, Perry, Oklahoma. And my congregation has asked me to create these podcasts in such a way that allows us to connect when we're not physically able to be there. So one of the things that we do at First Christian Church, Perry, is this, we put a lot of focus in on the study of the Bible. Now, for some of us, we're listening to this podcast and we're going, well, yeah, of course, we should be studying the Bible. But it's the way that we study the Bible that people want me to talk about and explain why it is that we do the things that we do and how we do the things that we do. So first off, I want to start off with a conversation about what a lot of churches would call the inerrancy of Holy Scripture. Now, I, I tend to believe that the Bible is the truly inspired Word of God, and even as my friends and colleagues would be listening to this, they would say, well, Josh, what do you mean by inspired versus inerrancy? So let's let's create the definitions. For me, every time I hear the phrase, the inerrant word of God, when someone's talking to me specifically about the Bible, that means that every single thing on the page of the Bible that they had printed in the United States in the last 25 years is the inerrant word of God. There is no problems. It's all factual. It's all true. They don't pay any attention to the language translation, such as translating the difference between Hebrew into English versus Greek into English, or translating Hebrew into Greek and Greek into English. And so all of a sudden, this inerrant word of God literally comes from our publishing companies in the last 150 years. I have major problems with this. I have a major problem with us only focusing in on what the publishers have created known as the red-letter version of the Bible. So we're going to talk a little bit about that this on this podcast, but for our conversation, I, I want to make sure that I say inspired versus inerrant Word of God. So for me, the inspired Word of God becomes the ways that we read Scripture as we understand it with the information given to us today, with uh, studies in language, with studies in sociology, with a conversation of anthropology, of how the culture would have looked at at the time these books were being written, and not the idea that David wrote all the Hebrew Bible or Moses wrote all of the Hebrew Bible, but also that uh, John is not the same John as the Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, John the Revelator, uh, and John the Baptist. You know, so inspired Word of God means that there has to be conversation about where did the inspiration come from, not just the, this is how it happened, if you didn't like it too bad, so sad. So when I talk about inspired Word of God, I'm I'm specifically talking about, I hate to say it, but a, kind of an educated approach. Now, in the culture that I grew up in, the idea of educated people talking about the Bible was kind of frowned upon because what it means is, is that the Holy Spirit wasn't allowed to speak to people in the midst of the moment or how the words would come onto the page and inspire people to live in the presence of God through Jesus Christ. Now, I always took umbrage with this because I, I feel like if I've been given the ability to think, the ability to discern, the ability to read, then I should not let that go for granted. However, there are some faith traditions that do not want 
to add education to the aspect of the study of the Bible. It should only be from the gut, as they would say, or from their feelings. Now, I, I think this is a, a major disservice in our culture. I think this is something that has caused many problems within the Christian faith. The idea of subjugating of women, the determining of who and who is not able to come to worship, it creates aspects of racism. And contrary to the popular belief of what the culture is doing today when they're arguing about everything— I think that it can bring a sense of reconciliation if we study the Word of God in such a way that allows for discussion in a Midrashic aspect. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that idea in the same vein as as to how do I describe the Bible in our Bible study. So for example, you will hear it said that the Old Testament is something completely different than the New Testament. And what I've heard growing up was, is the Old Testament, well, it's old because it didn't have Jesus. And once Jesus came, we didn't need the Old Testament anymore. And so all of a sudden you have this conversation about where the Old Testament is no longer important. It's not It's not important. And the New Testament then becomes the, the most important thing for them. Now, this causes massive problems, obviously, because as we talk about this, it, it makes the Old Testament seem as though it's less than because it doesn't have the words of Jesus. This is categorically wrong. And here's why. Jesus, brace yourselves now, was Jewish. From the moment he was born until the moment he died, he was Jewish. It is impossible to think outside the realm of inerrancy that Jesus was something different than being a Jewish rabbi, healer, a person that gave and talked about love and faith and compassion in the views of Torah. His most famous quote, love your neighbor as yourself, is found in the book of Leviticus. When he talks about loving your God with all your heart, mind, strength, and soul, again, found in Torah. Almost all of the teachings that Jesus brings to the table are a Midrashic way of looking at Torah-based concepts. And so, for me, I don't look at the Old Testament as old. I look at it for what it is. It's the Hebrew Bible. I remember when I was in seminary, my professor, uh, Dr. Lisa Davison, had this really strong discussion with us about how the Hebrew Bible is not old and how that it's a living, breathing document just like the New Testament. The problem that we have with the Hebrew Bible is is that most of the versions of the Bible that you have have been translated from the Septuagint, so from the Greek text into uh, an English-speaking conversation. And this, in some ways, works, but in in a lot of ways, when we study the Hebrew Bible, we want to know the Hebrew context. Now, everybody's like, well, Josh, I'm not going to go to seminary, and I'm not going to go study Hebrew, and I'm not going to go study Greek, and I would tell you, that's okay, because there are lots of apps out there that are free, uh, that have an interlinearary Bible that are just literally um, rough translations, like this word means this in Hebrew, and this word means this in Greek, and and I think that there's enough resources out there that are safe that you can use, because if if you're looking at just the text and not the commentaries that go along with them, you you get 
the opportunity to truly study the Bible. So I'm hoping that in the midst of this conversation, you're recognizing that I'm, I'm not here to talk about an agenda-based education. My goal here is to study the words on the page as they were written, whether it was in Hebrew or Greek. And in the process of us being able to do that, it gives us the ability to allow our understanding of God come into our hearts. And as Wesley might say, it might make our heart warm a little. See, I I feel like in the Christian Church Disciples of Christ, there's such a strong importance of no book but the Bible. But we don't exactly know what that means. So here's my understanding of that no book but the Bible idea. For us, the idea of the Christian Church Disciples of Christ trying to break away from our European brothers and sisters, the, the most important thing for us was this conversation about how do we worship God without all of the liturgy and all the litanies that come along with the European faith traditions, whether they're Catholic or Lutheran or or even Baptists or Anabaptists or all of the different faiths, Presbyterians and Methodists. How, how do we create an understanding of a connection between God without all of those pages written by man or humans, such as the Book of Worship or the Book of Discipline? So when our founders, Alexander Campbell and Thomas Campbell and Barton W. Stone and Walter Scott and our frontiersmen like Raccoon John Smith were creating these revival conversations, the goal then became, how did they worship in the Bible? And so the conversation about what we did for worship came directly from the Bible versus the, the traditional understanding of church. Now, this is huge for us, and the idea was— to focus in on a restoration of the first century church. What what did it look like to those that were as closely related to Christ as possible? And so from that point on, we we created the dialogue of of what what did it look like to be a a church focusing in on no book but the Bible. And and out of those things, there were some basic ordinances that came out of that, such as communion, which I have another podcast about. Uh, we have a thing about singing of hymns, because that's biblical. There was an idea that we should pray for and with one another. And then, most importantly, the, the last concept of this was to to uh, focus in on the words of God. So somehow Scripture had to come a part of that discussion. So like if you look at the, the New Testament church or the first century church, there's a conversation with Paul around a table with other followers discussing the letters that he would have written. And so for us, when we say no book but the Bible, we talk about worship, our daily life, our understanding of Christ uh, from the biblical pages versus the commentaries that are written for us by the publishing companies that, frankly, have an agenda-based discussion on their own faith traditions. I had a Bible professor in seminary that would say something to the effect of, if you have to use the commentary to talk about the words on the page, then you shouldn't be the one teaching the class. And it really st- stuck with me. Like, if I have to think about what somebody else thinks about what the Scripture says, then I have a problem. But in order for me to talk about what the Scripture has to say, I've got to come at it from a different angle. I've got to talk about it from an anthropological lens, a sociological lens. I have to come talk about it with a historical language lens. Uh, When we talk about Christ, I I need to understand what does it mean to look at Jesus' words as red letter? 
And did Jesus actually say those things? So for us, Bible study is extremely important. And I, I kind of agree with my Bible study compatriots in my in my church because they everybody that listens to our Bible studies on our podcast will find out that automatically our discussion is going to be a lot different. I want to talk a little bit about Midrash and, and apologize for the appropriation of the term. So Midrash literally is this Hebrew idea of studying of Scripture by the asking of questions. So the definition of Midrash is it's a biblical exegesis by ancient Judaic authorities using a mode of interpretation prominent in the Talmud. The word itself, Midrash, literally means textual interpretation. So for me, Midrash and rabbinic readings, they help discern value in texts, the words, the letters, and then it leaves this open space for revelation. When we discuss how we Midrash, how we discuss these things, it it goes into this idea that not only engages the word of the text, but what's behind the text and beyond the text, but it focuses on each letter and the words left unsaid by each line. So for me, I think that when I talk about studying the Bible, that's that's exactly what we have to do. It's a practice that Jesus would have been absolutely a part of. And I think a lot of the conversations that we have around Jesus' parables is, th- those are Midrashic questions. What does it mean to live within the text of loving your neighbor as yourself? And then what is behind it, and how do we live that out? So when I talk about the Bible and when I discuss these things— especially with our church and our Bible study groups, the goal then becomes, how does the Word of God stick to you and warm your heart in such a way that it causes revelation and an opportunity for living out the life that Christ has given to us? So I hope that this is helpful and that this gives you a conversation and it gives you the opportunity to understand that when you start listening to the podcast about Bible study, that Please don't come to the text or to the conversation with the idea that Josh is going to say, well, this is what the Bible means. No. I'm going to read it. I'm going to talk about the language. I'm going to talk about the sociological aspects, the anthropological aspects, the historical aspects of the literature, and then allow you to say, okay, God, how does it speak to me? I say all these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And until next time, God bless. Bye-bye.